This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Won't you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11? I'm going to speak this morning um, about something, but it's too long to do this morning, so I'm going to do it in two parts. I'm going to start it off this morning and I'll finish it next week. Something that's always been very important for me is I don't think when Jesus walked the earth, he set the the bar for Christianity so high that people found it inaccessible. People who came into contact with Jesus, their lives were changed and transformed. And so it's always been very important for me to understand what it is that God is doing and the principles that he's laid out and how we're able to take those things and apply them in our lives so that we can walk into what his design and his purpose is. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I want to speak to you this morning about something that I've titled The Power of a Creative Mind. The Power of a Creative Mind. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here today. We want to thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And we invite heaven to earth this morning. And we live in the expectation of it in Jesus' name. It's important from God's perspective that each of us, he wants us to know that he is real and that he's with you. He wants you to know that he is real and that he's with you. The kingdom is at hand. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, the kingdom is in your midst. What he was saying was, because I am here with you, the kingdom is with you. But the time is coming when the Holy Spirit is going to be here. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit and the kingdom will be within you. He wants us to know what that is from a very practical point of view. When we talk about God being real, I'm talking about encounters with God in a very practical and and pragmatic way. Man at the pool of Bethesda had an encounter with reality. He changed, and his life was changed and transformed from that point. It doesn't matter what you said to him from that moment onwards. He would be able to sit and say to you, I know that he's real because I had an encounter. The man who couldn't walk that sat at the gate and suddenly got his legs and was able to walk around and run around had an encounter. You couldn't convince him that God wasn't real because of the encounter. The reason that Lazarus rose and was out and about and got life in his body once again gave evidence of the fact that he had an encounter Encounters are important for us. I'm not talking about some theological or doctrinal idea that sits out, some, out there somewhere. I'm talking about being introduced to the reality that the power of God is so real and the life of God is so real on the inside of us that he's looking for an opportunity to manifest himself in my life and in my situations. Amen. The journey that we should be on is a journey so that we understand and have an appreciation for the life that's resident on the inside of us and what that life wants to do inside of who I am and the way in which I live. Yeah. 
Are you here this morning? Yes. I haven't got to the deep stuff yet. This is, we're still in the shallow end. Just stick with me. I'm going on a bit of a journey, but just stick with me. Sometimes we think when we get born again, we had an encounter. Paul had an encounter when he got born again. He was knocked to the ground and he heard the voice from heaven. He had an encounter at that moment. There are some people when they get born again, they have an encounter. Instantaneously something happens in their life and suddenly they find themselves free from addictions. They find themselves at a place where all of a sudden those things and those shackles that used to bind me suddenly aren't there anymore and I have an immediate freedom from those things. They had an encounter at the time of when the very life of God came and took up residence on the inside of them. I didn't have an encounter. There were no bells or whistles. There was nothing dramatic that happened in my life. I'm not saying that it wasn't consequential. I'm not saying it wasn't profound. What I'm saying is it wasn't an encounter. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, I I did what I believed God wanted me to do because I believe in who he is and I welcomed the very life of God on the inside of who I was. And so it was profound. The life was on the inside of me. But I never had an encounter. Nothing happened in my world at that point, tangibly. It was dramatic internally. And I think the invitation that he extends to us is to sit and say, if I'm going to take my life and my power, if I'm going to take who I am and what I'm all about, and I'm going to deposit it on the inside of who you are, Do you have an appreciation for what's resident on the inside of you? The very God of the universe, the creator of the universe, took who he is and what he's all about, the very nature of who he is, the capability, the capacity, and the power, the energy and the life of who he is, and he invested it in who I am. And it's sitting resident on the inside of me. And the invitation that he extends to me is to sit and say, if you value that and you Come to a place where you get to be able to relate to me inside of you. If you look for that and you give me the opportunity to have influence in who you are and in your situations, you will walk into an encounter. The life on the inside of us is resident potential. Looking for us to connect with it, form relationship with it, and allow it to influence who I am. It's what Paul said. It's what Paul recognized. Paul said in in Philippians 3 verse 10, he's talking about the fact that I had an encounter. I remember when I met this Jesus who came and lives on the inside of me, and I had an encounter with him. And the pursuit and the, 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 the focus of my life is to know him and the power of his resurrection. What is he saying? He was saying, I've spent my life as a scholar. I've spent my life having a, a cerebral appreciation for the fact that there is a God out there. There is a being out there. And I've spent my life learning about who he was and what he's all about and how he functions and how he's worked through different people and what his history was and what the pedigree was. And I've learned of all of that stuff. And he comes to the end of that monologue and you know what he says? It's all crap. It's what he said. I'm giving you the truth. That's what he said. Because I gave up 
Christianity of the mind. pursue Christianity in relationship. Everything that I thought about God meant nothing compared to an encounter. What is the goal of our life? As Christians... Are we trying to build upon knowledge and our appreciation of God? Are we trying to understand how big Noah's ark was? Are we trying to memorize the books of the Bible? I'm not saying that any of those things are inherently bad. But what I am saying is that if they don't lead you to an encounter, they're of no value. You will come to the end of your days and you will say, it was crap. I never encountered him. And so the place I find myself at today is interrogating so much of where we are and what we're about and so much that we've just bought into and so much that we follow and so much that is part of designing and and giving uh, a definition to who we are. Because it's like, really? Does it lead me to an encounter or does it make me feel smart? To know him and the power of his resurrection. He put it inside you for a reason. And he never put it inside there so that you can have a mental appreciation for it. He put it on the inside of you so that the very life of God can come out and express itself. So that you can be redefined so that I begin to look like him and act like him and behave like him and see like him and think like him. And act like him. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus basically says to him, you have to get born again. You have to be born from above in order to enter the kingdom of God. Born of a, born of a, to be born above, he's talking about being born spiritually. What he's saying to him is this. <clears throat> if you want to come into the domain of the king you're going to have to have a spiritual birth. But when you have a spiritual birth, what we sometimes take for granted is the fact that a spiritual birth comes with a spiritual revolution. You see, all of our lives, we spent our, our, our world and our, our focus on understanding where we are and understanding the earth. But all of a sudden, the moment that you became born again, what ended up happening is your life became expansive. Beyond what you could possibly imagine. Not because of anything that you could see or touch. Not because of anything that was tangible or visible. But because all of a sudden, in that moment, God gave you access to the kingdom. He gave you access to the things which frame the world in which you find yourself. He gave you access to the invisible, but the powerful. And what he was saying to us was, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, set your mind on things above, 
not on things on the earth. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, recognize the fact that you've been introduced to something new. Take your focus off where you've been living. Take your focus off where you find yourself today and put your focus on kingdom. Put your focus in a place that's very much about the spiritual. It's all about kingdom life. It's about the invisible. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. The tangible world is not a mystery to us because we can understand it and we can navigate it and we can walk through it and we can find our place in it and walk our way through it. The natural is not a mystery to us. But the spiritual is a mystery. The invisible is a mystery because you can't lay hold of it. But because it's a mystery doesn't mean that it's not there to be solved. What he's saying is, I'm introducing you to something new and I'm introducing you to the potential of God. And if you will stick with me, you can live from that world. What he's saying to us is, I'm introducing you to a new way of living, a new mode of life, where our reality and our foundation is established in the invisible, not the visible. In the kingdom, not in the earth. And suddenly I start to find myself in a place where I begin to recognize the truth and the reality that I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. The invisible. We think we're not all that comfortable with the invisible, but actually we're more comfortable with it than perhaps we realize. God uses simple things in my life to speak to me about deeper truth. And sometimes I have simple experiences that speak more deeply to me. Uh, A few days ago, Vivian said, I want to bake. I know, I was also happy about that. So I said, that's a good idea. I said, okay, so what are, we, what are we baking? Are we baking cake pops? Are we baking brownies? Are we baking donuts? Are we baking what, what are we, cupcakes? What are we baking? And she said, no, we're not baking that. She said, we're baking a cake. I said, oh, okay. So I said, fine, you know, is it, is it chocolate? Is it strawberry? Is it like carrot cake? What are we? And she said, no, no. She said, no, it's vanilla. I said, oh, okay, so... You know, I had to go and help her get some of the ingredients off the high shelves, and I gave it to her, and she's putting all of this stuff together. And she gets her little mixture, and she puts it in. And then she takes out these little um, food dyes, all these different colored food dyes. And she chooses out certain of them, and she puts three of them on the side. And then she takes them, and she puts a few little drops in the top of her, of her dough, and a bit for that, and a few drops of the third one. And I said, well, don't you want this color? And she said, no, no, that's not the color. These are the colors. <laughs> okay. 
And she takes it and she, she took like a little toothpick and she swirls it around and it makes all these little colored striations in it. And so when it bakes, it comes out and it's got all of this stuff on it. So I said, okay. So I said, while it's baking, I said, let, let me get you. What are you, you going to ice this with? So she said, it, it's going to have vanilla icing on it. So I said, okay. So I gave her vanilla icing. So she said, yes, but I also have to have the blue food dye. She said, it's, it's going to have blue icing on it. So I said, oh, okay. So I got her blue food. It's a simple, simple illustration. But it spoke to me about the power of ideas. You see, she knew what she was going to bake before she ever got into the kitchen. It was alive on the inside of her. And because she knew what she was going to bake, she knew what it was going to be like, she knew what it was going to look like, she knew how she wanted to decorate it. She had that in the inside of her. She had, she had that idea living on the inside of her. And because of that, she was in the kitchen giving form to the intangible. She was in the kitchen taking something which was invisible, intangible, inaccessible to my senses, but she knew it was there. And what she was doing was taking it out of the realm of the invisible and giving it form. She was taking something that was resonant on the inside of it and birthing it into the world. And when she did that, the funny thing about it is she knew what it was supposed to be. I don't want that colored stuff. That's not what it looks like. We are not baking any of those other things. That's not what it looks like. I wanted to get like that, and I want these are the colored dyes. Why? Because I'm taking the reality of what's inside of me, that which is invisible, and I know what it's supposed to be look like, and I'm changing the reality in which I find my space to introduce it. The power of ideas. Everywhere we go, every day, our lives are affected by the power of ideas. The cars we drive, the phones we talk on, the ballpoint pens, the chair you're sitting on, the skyscrapers, the airplanes. Our world is full of evidence how the invisible has been made visible and has brought advancement. When we talk about an idea, an idea is a conception in the mind. It's a conception in the mind. It is a reality that is alive within us. A conception in the mind, something that is alive within us. It becomes so important because when we talk about conceiving things, <clears throat> we realize that something can take a hold of and get established in my mindset. That should be really liberating to us. Because you know what it tells me? It tells me that there is a part to my being that gives me the opportunity to straddle both the invisible and the visible realm, the intangible and the tangible. That which is constitutes the realm that I cannot access through my senses and the realm that's defined by my senses. 
you are fearfully and wonderfully created. Why? Why is it so important? Because God knew that an invisible God wanted to take his invisible spirit and put it inside your invisible spirit. But he wanted to use something called revelation to be able to take an impartation of who he was. And for us in our mindset to conceive something which is of him, something which is invisible. And yet from my mindset, it becomes a springboard to introduce it to my reality. To introduce it to my reality. We talk about the word in flesh and dwelt among us. What he's saying to us is this. This is how his words become flesh and dwell among us. This is how his words, which are spirit and life, are conceived on the inside of who I am. And it forms a whole new reality to who I am and what I'm all about. A new reality, a new conception, new life that's birthed out of spirit and life. But it's real to me. It may not yet be tangible, but it's on its way. Spirit and life informing a mindset within me that introduces me to a new way of living. Ideas are powerful because ideas carry the ability to be able to transform reality. Ideas are powerful because they carry with them the power and the opportunity to transform reality. The reason that Vivi was able to take what she had and she was able to give it form was because she had conceived something inside of her that had a life of its own. The conception that she had was something that drove her actions. God wants you to conceive something in your mind that's from him. And the conception that you receive from him, you receive from his word, which is spirit and life. And you know what? It results in something that we called a renewed mind. What is a renewed mind? It's something that doesn't been influenced. It hasn't been given form because of the environment in which I find myself. A renewed mind is something that says, I recognize the fact that I have the, the ability to conceive of ideas. I have the ability of conception to birth on the inside of me and conceive on the inside of me new ideas. Where do I want them to come from? Because I'm sitting in a place right now as the mind between the reality and the tangible and God, the eternal. What is going to define my mindset? It's when we conceive of life on the inside of us. It takes the very substance of things that we hope for and gives them evidence on the inside of who we are. Because that very life takes on form inside of who I am. 
It is a reality on the inside of me that defines who I am. And it means that I know what it is that I'm looking for because I'm not just out there doing anything. I'm driven by a reality that's established, that's conceived, that is alive within me. A reality. The invisible may not be accessible to your senses, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. It just means it hasn't been birthed yet. The Wright brothers conceived on the inside of them the idea of flight. If I knew that my kids were going to be renowned down the decades, I would certainly not have called them Orville and Wilbur. I'm sure there were better options. But they had something on the inside of them. And what drove them and what kept them going was the life that was on the inside of them. You think your Christianity is hard in the face, in the face of a reality that's opposing. You try walking out one day and you start telling the world that you're going to fly. See how that goes down. We got the lunatics living down the way, the ones who have decided that they're going to fly. But you know what kept them going? The life on the inside of them. The life that was living inside of who they are and it drove them. And I don't care about your opinion and I don't care about what you think about things and I'm not interested in the fact that nobody's ever flown before and I am absolutely not influenced by the fact that everybody's calling us names and everything else. The fact of the matter is I know that we can do this. Is a passion. It is a dream. It is a drive. There is a tenacity goes there that goes with it. Because on the inside of me is life that's being conceived that says, this is possible. You know what the problem is with too many Christians? We have no revelation. You can't live off somebody else's revelation. Because revelation bursts on the inside of me, the life and the passion. It bursts on the inside of me, the tenacity, despite the fact that my circumstances may be against me and everything in my body screaming and shouting and the economy is doing this and all the world's doing whatever. It doesn't matter because the life is inside of me and I'm sitting waiting for life to be birthed. When you try and live with somebody else's revelation, you end up with information. Well, I know when we go into this, we just quote John 3, 19. But, and the Lord said, and I lay hands, and there's no revelation. There's no passion. There's no tenacity. The first little wave of anything, and I'm like, ah, this doesn't work. We need some more Orville and Wilbur. That's what we need on the inside of us. We need more time spent with him so that we allow his spirit to take spirit and life and deposit it on the inside of me. Because when life is conceived inside of who I am, you're not getting it. 
The world's not getting it. My circumstances are not getting it because I'm birthed into the, I'm situated and established in the reality and the realization that everything that I see is framed from what's alive in me. And I'm waiting for things to change. It doesn't happen if we're not at a place where we don't have revelation. Revelation is not knowledge. Revelation is a life that's imparted to you that is transformational. When you have truth and life established on the inside of you, it'll drive you no matter how long it takes. Abraham waited 20 years. 20 years! If you thought he was old before, he was even older 20 years down the way. And so was Sarah. And nothing happened in 20 years. But I had life. I had life. He gave it to me. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. What drove Joseph? He had life. It expressed itself as a dream within him. It was a passion that said, I know where you're going. I know what God's design is for your life. I know that where you, where you need to be. And do you know what? For years, everything was in opposition. My brothers hated me. They threw me into a pit. They tried to kill me. I was sold into slavery. I was falsely accused. I ended up in jail. Everything was against me. Why is Joseph in the book? Because he had life. And despite everything, he said, I'm pursuing it. I don't know when it's coming, and I don't know how it's going to get here. And if I think it was bad yesterday, it's even worse today. But you know what? I don't know what's around the corner. We give up too easily because we don't have life. If you don't connect with what's on the inside of you, you will never conceive And without conception, we end up speaking about our situations. My life is so hard. Things are so terrible. Look how that's going so badly. What's happened? I took my eyes off of where they should have been. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know what the problem is? When we take our eyes off the kingdom and we place our eyes on our reality, what ends up happening is we get stuck. We get stuck. You know why so many Christians are stuck? Because of where they're looking. I'm looking at my reality. I'm looking at the hardship. I'm looking at the deficit. I'm looking at all the things in my life that aren't working. And I'm spending my life allowing that to influence the intangible part of who I am. I act like a filter for my reality. You want to shift your reality? You need an idea. You want to shift your reality? You need an idea. If you're stuck and we can't fly, you need an idea. 
If you're stuck in it's never going to happen, you need an idea. Because when you get an idea, the purpose of an idea is to be able to take it and introduce it to reality. And all of a sudden I discover there's a way out. There's something I can do here. God has made provision for me. As long as we focus on where we are, we never touch what's on the inside of us. We never give it access to my life. And I don't know that it's real. Because I live in my reality. I've never got to the place where I have the life that's conceived on the inside of me. Where I've had the opportunity to introduce it and walk into an encounter. Kingdom citizens, ambassadors for the kingdom, recognize that life is lived from the inside out, not the outside in. Psalm 18, verse 28, says, For you will light my lamp, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Do you know what it's saying? It's saying we are to live by revelation. It's saying we are to live in a place where what we do is we recognize that the very life of God is resident on the inside of me. And when I get to the point where I'm able to connect with the life that's on the inside of me, where I'm, act, or I'm able to have relationship and be able to speak and communicate and allow that communication backwards and forwards, I put myself in a place where I allow that to have influence in me. And the words that he speaks are not just words that are empty. His words are spirit and life. And when he speaks spirit and life to me, it bursts new reality on the inside of me. I conceive life when he speaks to me. And when I conceive life, what ends up happening is I see things that the world can't see. I see kingdom. I see kingdom. When I walk into situations, I see kingdom where others see flightless people. That's the invitation. God is sitting saying, I created you to understand that you were built in a way that you were able to access the things of me. The life that I put on the inside of you is accessible to you because you have a capacity and an ability to touch, communicate, and interact with the intangible and the invisible. And if you will allow me to use that as a channel to influence the very foundation of your being, you'll move to a place where we begin to live from life that is conceived on the inside of us. We walk by faith and not by sight. What is he saying? He's saying, take your eyes off your world. Take your eyes off your situations. Take your eyes off your challenges. Take your eyes off the realities that define where you are right now and put them on the inside of you where life is going to be conceived. 
Because if that becomes a conception on the inside of you, it offers you an opportunity and an invitation to take that and to walk it out into your reality. Do you know what Orville and Wilbur discovered? When they took an idea, the conception and the life that was within them, and they introduced it to reality, they discovered that all the provisions for aerodynamics were already there. They didn't have to develop them. They were already existing. All they had to do was understand them, understand the principle, harness the principle, work with the principle, and they learned how to fly. I want you to know something. God's telling you today, the life that's on the inside of you comes with power and ability. And although you may not see it and you may not understand it, when you take it and you begin to live by faith and not by sight, when you live by what's conceived on the inside of you as opposed to what's tangible and accessible to your senses, you'll discover that the provision is there. You'll discover that the power is there. And so we're changing as a church because we no longer want to be people who just do things for the sake of it. But we understand that there's purpose. We can become encounter-focused. The life that's on the inside of me is there looking for expression. I'm tenacious. I don't give up on those things. It's not second nature to me. It's, it's not second hand to me. It's not something that's like nice to have or whatever. I'm purposeful. I'm intentional. Because I want to touch his life inside of me. I want him to have access to my being so that he can change who I am and influence my life. I want to walk into encounters. And we'll talk about that more next week. Father, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your life. I thank you that all that you are is resident within us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we don't leave you all canned up, but let us open it up and let us begin to explore life with you. I want to thank you for your energy and your power and your life and your potential and your love, your grace, your provision. Everything that we need is on the inside of who we are. Open the eyes of our understanding. Build in us a hunger. I thank you, Father, for people who are never the same. I thank you, Father, for people who are characterized and defined by encounters. Thank you for reality transformers. In Jesus' name.